0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the editor chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always is my co-host Trevor Stores, also a full press coverage and Rep District. How you doing, Trev? Hey, I'm great, actually. How you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing awesome. So uh, we talked about a little bit this about this pre-show, but um, Cracker Jacks, man. I, I used to eat Cracker Jacks when I was a kid. I don't want to date myself, but I haven't had haven't had Cracker Jacks in a while, and I recently got some at City Field, and I'm like, these are kind of terrible. I'm not really happy with it. Have you have you had <laughs> Cracker Jacks recently, Trev? Uh, not recently, as you, but yes, I've had. It. Okay, 'cause 'cause I I'm telling you. When I was a kid, I thought these things were terrific. I thought they were like, you know, like sugary popcorn, sugary peanuts, everything that's yeah. bad for me, and I get yeah. a toy. And I opened up my bag, and I found out they got rid of toys. They don't do that anymore. They instead give you a QR code. Yeah, right? What's up with that? Isn't that the whole reason why we buy Cracker Jack? I mean, that was pretty important.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like okay. Helps, know. yeah
1: right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like one of those things where, like, I, it's not, it's obviously not that important, you know, because like, it's not like that toy ever lasted for more than five seconds anyway before I lost it because, I mean, it was usually just a piece of plastic. But like, <laughs> man, that's what I was looking forward to. Yeah, I, I don't it's want hilarious. those. And it wasn't even good caramel popcorn, you know? I mean, I love caramel popcorn. That stuff with the Cracker Jacks, that's not caramel popcorn. I'm sorry. That is, I don't know what that is. (laughs) It's not not that good. All right, anyway, sorry about the the derailment, everybody. I had to get that off my chest. It's been bothering me all week. Uh, And so, anyway, we got lots to talk about today. We discussed Trey Lance's injury and the impact on the 49ers. We talked about the dust-up between the Bucks and the Saints and Evans suspension, the best and worst teams in the NFL after week two, some fantasy football pickups, and much, much more. So, uh, hey, what do you say we get this thing rolling? All right, let's start with Trey Lance, because this one is absolutely brutal for a first-round draft pick that waited the year to start and barely got a chance to show what he got Early in the first quarter in the 49ers game against the Seahawks, Trey Lance attempted a designed run and ended up getting tackled awkwardly, resulting in a broken ankle. Ouch. That does not sound good. There was some hope that he might be healed up by the end of the year, but Kyle Shanahan confirmed at his Wednesday press conference that Lance will be ruled out until the 2023 season. The 49ers officially placed Lance on injured reserve Wednesday after he underwent successful surgery on the broken ankle. Uh, of course, the 49ers had fortunately, uh, I was using air quotes here, re-signed Jimmy Garoppolo, who will be starting for them for the rest of the season. So what are your thoughts here, Trev, on the injury to Trey Lance, how this impacts the 49ers, and how this might impact Trey Lance and his career going
0: forward? Oh, man, I feel really bad for the kid.
1: Yeah,
0: um, me too. He hasn't, he hasn't had a chance to play NFL football in three years or pretty much meaningful football in the past three years. Right. Um he didn't get to play because of COVID in, in college. And then Jimmy G was a starter his, his whole time he's been here. And then he gets finally gets the, the keys to the car, and he loses the keys. So yep. that's what really <laughs> we're um, But from a business standpoint, it's I'm, it's really, really a smart move that they re Jimmy G. Um, he's led them to the NFC Championship and to a Super Bowl. So I right. know and it's not like they're having to learn from a different quarterback all over again. It just sucks, though, for Trey Lance. It's supposed to be his, his chance to see if he was deserving of those draft picks being traded away for him to be selected at number two, I think, right? Right.
1: Right. Exactly. And, then yeah. you know, the thing is that, you know, Trey Lance kind of made – um, the rounds as a top end draft pick based on his mobility, uh, mm-hmm. and you know nothing hits your mobility more than having an ankle injury, particularly one as brutal as his ankle injury. And uh, you know I I don't think it was a um, it's going to be the end of the road for him, but think about mm-hmm. like Teddy Bridgewater and how, how he was such a huge, like everyone thought he was going to be great. And then he did come back sure. and become serviceable, but after the injury, uh, to his, uh, to his legs, in his, his knee, I guess, in that situation, it was much, um, you know, there was a lot of you know, consideration as to how that would impact his mobility. And it certainly does impact his mobility at least, um, a little bit. And that certainly can be a problem for Lance as well. So I feel terrible for the kid. I mean, this is, this is horrible. Um, really, couldn't be any worse for him. As for the Forty ers you know, I think Jimmy G is Jimmy G, right? He's going to continue to bring them to the brink of doing something good, and then a fizzle out in the end. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to exactly. have to see with him.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So, so, real bummer for them. Uh, hope uh, best wishes to Trey Lance. Hopefully, he gets back and on the field again next week. Uh, next week, jeez, that's way too soon. Next year. <laughs> And then we'll see uh, what happens uh, after that. So let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that one and move on to our next topic. And that is the very interesting Bucks and Saints dust-up, which resulted in a Mike Evans suspension. So for those of you who weren't paying attention, the Bucks actually stalled for three quarters in a 3-3 game. A 3-3 game between yeah. the Bucks and the Saints. Unbelievable. And they got fired up after a skirmish in the fourth quarter when Marshawn Lattimore and Tom Brady started talking smack and Leonard Fournette pushed Lattimore away, and then Mike Evans decided to slam into Lattimore, knocking him to the turf. Eventually, Lattimore and Evans were ejected, but then the Bucs came alive after that, and everything fell apart for the Saints in basically three minutes and 30 seconds. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was a tight game for 50 minutes, and then in three minutes and 30 seconds, the Tampa Bay defense came out of a huge interception of Jameis Winston uh, in the end zone, Brady, who absolutely struggled all day, hits Brashad Perriman for a deep ball and gets a 10-3 lead. And then, one play after a sack, Winston again was picked by Dean on a long ball, turned that into a, Brady and Bucks turned that into a field goal to a 13-3 edge. And then Winston decided to complete the implosion in style with a pick six by Mike Edwards <laughs> and a 17-point lead. So, obviously, um, part of this was Winston. Part of this was the Bucks. So perhaps the dust up. Really got the Bucks going, but Mike Evans has now been suspended for a game because of quote violations of unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct rules unquote after he knocked Lattimore to the ground. Evans appealed, and the appeal was denied, and now the Bucks face the Packers on Sunday without him and likely without Chris Godwin, who is suffering his own injury uh, from Week One. So, what are your thoughts on this dust up between the Bucks and the Saints and the Mike Evans suspension?
0: I don't think Mike Evans should have been suspended. Yeah, it wasn't really a cheap shot. Like he saw him coming. I mean, it looked like a cheap shot by the how, how hard he pushed him, but it really wasn't that bad. I mean, it's a football skirmish. They've had history They right. have beat in the past. So I mean, I don't think a suspicion should have happened. But also, it's like we gotta start looking at Tom Brady too because Tom Brady was moping off at Marshawn Lattimore, not yeah. at Mike. Mike Evans was not involved at all. He put himself in that to defend Tom Brady. So I was like, Tom. We understand that, like, you're fiery and stuff, but, like, we got to <laughs> sacrifice ourselves for you, bro. So, it's like, I mean, you saw him say to the ref, it's Tom Brady, what, what do you want me to do? So, right. like, he was, but he didn't have any beef with Marshawn. It just happened to be the fact that Marshawn was the one that Tom Brady was having beef with. And you've seen these' had players before, Tyron Matthew in the Super Bowl. Like, yep. you've seen it happen, and his receivers doing what they're supposed to do, coming to his aid. But it's like, bro. Now you're your <laughs> team. Your team's already right. in, like, injury-riddled. Now you're losing yep. Mike Evans for, like, a huge game against Aaron Rodgers next week. So it's, like, exactly. all because you said something slick out of your mouth to, to cause that Marshawn Lattimore to keep going at you. So it's, like, right. we got to look at your right. picture. Now this is bigger than Mike Evans. But I don't think a suspension should have been warranted. But it is what it is. It's, it's violating the rules and rules of rules. So... Yeah,
1: you know it's interesting because so I totally agree with you one one hundred percent. But I have to say this: like you know, if you go to the other side of the coin, the Bucks were doing nothing in that yeah. game until after they got into after Mike Evans got ejected. <laughs> after Mike Evans got ejected, they the defense stepped up huge, or Jameis Winston imploded, probably a little bit of both. But you know, like it was like it was like night and day. You know, the yeah, game right. completely went from boring to really interesting and uh for a Tampa Bay fan and really horrible nightmarish for Saints fans. So I mean I guess on one hand you could say that maybe that Tom Brady and Mike Evans fired their team up and got them rolling. So they actually got something done, but I actually do agree with you. I think you got to think about the team. You can't go mothin' off and knowing full well that your teammates are going to do what they have to do to protect you uh, and then risk these types of things that particularly in front of a big game, like you said, against the Packers who are, Absolutely come to life now after their traditionally bad game one (laughs) reminded the world that they are the Packers. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. And if they lose that game this weekend because Chris Godwin couldn't go because of the injury and Mike Evans was suspended, got to wonder, was it worth it um, at the end of the day? So I totally agree with you. We'll see how that goes. I also think that he shouldn't have been suspended for that. Come on, guys. Let's toughen up. It's football, for goodness sake. Yeah, like I was
0: actually enjoying watching that, but.
1: (laughs) Right. All right, let's hit the boxing bell on that one, and let's get on to our next topic, and that is our takeaways from week two. So first takeaway is going to be surrounding the Washington Commanders and the Detroit Lions. We talked a lot about about it last week. Uh, Thankfully for you, Trev, Scott is not on this week, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, But give me your thoughts here. What happened here? Because it was, I mean, the first half was a disaster. Second half was better. First half was an absolute out-and-out disaster. So what happened for the Commanders?
0: Uh, We got punched in the mouth first half. Uh, Scott Turner looked very confused on how to stop the the obvious blitzing of the Detroit Lions that they were that they were having. I mean Hutchison, the rookie from Michigan, had three sacks, six quarterback yeah. that pretty much all came in the first half. It was twenty two nothing at halftime. And then our offense just I mean it just couldn't get going and then our defense was just in a good punch in the mouth too. Um, I guess we pay a little bit too much attention to the DeAndre Swift is on the pitch count report. I mean he let us yeah. up for a 1,000 yards. So, like, <laughs> it was bad. Uh, we settled down halftime, and offense got going, and then our defense stepped up a little bit. I don't think they scored that many points in the second half. I think that late touchdown killed us. Um, we missed an extra point. Our play calling in the second half, going for two when, when I don't think we should have at some point. Like, very, very sketchy play calling, very, very sketchy uh, decision-making in the second half, but we made it interesting, ended up losing by nine. But, uh, yeah, it was just a total implosion on both sides of the ball in the first half. And then we woke up and it was too late in the second half. So,
1: Yeah. I, I think um, you guys need Chase Young back. I mean, it's, it is is, mm. is, bl- is blaringly obvious to me that yeah. the problem is the defense. I mean, I obviously uh, Carson Wentz did what he could in the second half, mm-hmm. but you can't, you obviously can't put it all on the, on the offense. And not only that, but the, the, the ground game has been anemic uh, for the yeah. commanders. I mean, like quite frankly, 14 carries for 28 yards for Antonio Gibson. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
0: yeah two two yards per
1: carry. Yeah. I mean, that's not awful. good. <laughs> that awful. And, and And you look at the other side and you said, you already mentioned DeAndre Swift who we expect to do well, but he averaged obviously 11.2 yards per carry on five carries. That's not great. Jamal Williams averaged 4.4 yards per carry on 12 carries. That's not great. I mean, Craig Reynolds at 5.3 yards per carry. Amon yeah, Ross really? and Brown had two carries. Yeah, exactly. Craig Reynolds, three carries for 16 yards. And, of course, Amon Ross and Brown, two carries for 68 yards. I mean, that, I mean that's 191 yards on the ground. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's an average of eight yards per carry. That's not make, good. At the top of the list, uh, Jared Goff threw four touchdowns and no. <laughs> that's right. That's that 's unacceptable uh, in terms of the um, in terms of a defense that is definitely a defense that is not working uh, so I think that 's the two biggest problems you guys have I mean among others it 's obvious that you can 't stop the run it 's obviously you can't stop the pass it 's obvious that defense is not giving the offense a chance to stay in games and it 's obvious to me that the, um, I mean part of it is game script they had to throw a lot, but that ground game is not effective i mean twenty one total carries for eighty eight yards. Sounds okay, but only because Curtis Samuel had a twenty one yard run. <laughs> you yeah, take that out of the crazy. equation, then the rest of it is completely trash. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree. It was it was a disgusting game to watch. Um, hopefully we bounce back this next week against Philly, but I doubt it, but that's another story. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we'll see how it goes because Philly looks pretty hot right now, too. And uh, let me talk about the Detroit Lions on the other side because I'm on on Ross and Brown. He's entered the upper echelon of receivers for me. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, nine receptions on 12 targets, 116 yards, two touchdowns. He's done this, uh, like, basically two weeks in a row now. And, of course, the two runs for 68 yards, with the the longest being a 58-yard scamper. I mean, I'm on Ross and Brown. Is there anything he can't do? Uh, he looks like a one-man wrecking crew right now. And Detroit Lions fans have to be excited about the future with St. Brown there and DeAndre Swift. They're young players who can they can build around into the future. Uh, Jared Goff probably won't be the guy in the long term, but he's fine right now. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, no, no. So, um, um, I just saw before I got
0: on here, um, Ross St. Brown said, He was keeping receipts of all receivers that were drafted drafted before him. And De'Ami Brown, (laughs) commander's wide receiver was drafted before him, and he said I didn't see him in the game much. So there you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. A guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder, as he should, as he should. I love this. All right, so uh, good luck to the commanders next week. The Eagles, by the way, look absolutely dominant against the Vikings. So I think you guys have a little bit of work to do going into next week. I mean, Jalen Hurts was a beast. I mean, he could not be stopped. It was unbelievable. And the Viking, and and honestly, I will give the biggest props, though, to the defense of the Philadelphia Eagles, who really put on a show against a Vikings offense who looked amazing against the Green Bay Packers in week one and absolutely disastrous against them in week two. I don't know. What's the real deal here? You know, I mean, is is it that the Vikings are actually bad and it's just that the Packers are always bad in week one or – Is it that the Eagles are that good? What do you think?
0: I think the Eagles are that good. I think the Vikings just woke up and forgot how to play football that Monday. I mean, (laughs) they they go from shutting down the two-time MVP back-to-back in the first week to laying a complete egg to a quarterback who has been in question if he's the guy or not. So, like, I don't know. It was just really, really uh, disheartening to watch. But, I yeah. mean, Jalen Hurts looks like he's improved. I'm not going to lie. He looks like he's had a little bit better pocket presence. I mean, he's got w- weapons around him. That helps a lot, too. So, they have a real deal so far. 22 games in. But, I mean, they look like they're they're on a mission that they're ready to win now. So, I think it's more yeah. of the Eagles being better than the Vikings being that bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, of course, the 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 problem, of course, is that throwing interceptions in the end zone is usually a bad um, uh, recipe for winning games. So Kirk Cousins with three interceptions, essentially in his own red zone. I mean, in the red zone, that is absolutely horrifying,
0: absolutely horrifying.
1: Um, And then of course the last one, they just ran out of time as he got sacked in the, basically in the red zone. So that's four red zone trips that essentially turned out in turnovers. You can't win games like that because honestly you score on half of those. And this is a game seven to 24. Becomes twenty one to twenty four, you know. Exactly. So, um, I mean, they, I mean, and but also it's like they didn't score any points in the second half, so it's like, right? Are
0: the Eagles right. really that good, or is it just? Yeah. It's just exactly.
1: I mean, it's criminal how little Justin Jefferson got. I mean, six for six to twelve oh, for forty eight is so, that I mean, unbelievable? It's unbelievable. So, right. I, I, that being said, let's let's move on to the other theme of the week here, which is comebacks, because they were. Three huge comebacks on Sunday, and I want to ask you about which one of those you were most impressed with, Trev, but just to remind the, uh, the audience here, the Miami Dolphins outscored the Baltimore Ravens 28-3 to in the fourth quarter, including a 48-yard and 60-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill in a space of two and a half minutes leading to a win for the Dolphins against the Ravens. Oh, my goodness. If anybody had any doubt that Tyreek Hill was a good football player without Patrick Mahomes, stop talking because he's good. He's really good. Uh, And Tua actually may make me look like an idiot because I never thought he was going to be a good NFL quarterback, but he had one of the greatest performances of all time for the Miami Dolphins. In fact, the first quarterback to throw for six touchdowns since Dan Marino. (laughs) Believe it or not, that is a long ways back. A long ways back. And then the two others uh, also just as impressive um, was with the New York Jets of all people. Just one minute and 55 seconds left. The Jets were behind by 13 points against the Ravens, but not (laughs) unbelievable. I mean, sorry, not, but not, 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 sorry, not, not the Ravens. I, I just still suck on how bad the Ravens are. It was Joe Flacco, who was the Ravens' retread quarterback that was bringing the Jets back here. So I, I'm stuck on it. But they were down by 13 points. And Joe Flacco managed to score a touchdown in just 23 seconds with a 66-yard strike to Corey Davis. And then the Jets go for an onside kick, recover, and then Flacco gets another touchdown for a 15-yard pass to Garrett Wilson with just 25 seconds left. Extra point, gets them the win. Jets manage to steal the game 31-30. to 30. Oh, my gosh, that was insane. And then finally, the Arizona Cardinals – had a comeback from a 16 point deficit to win by uh, a win of a two. They had a two point conversion as time expired in order to go to overtime. And they won with a fumble and a scoop and score by the defense against the (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. So which of those three impressed you the most, Trev? Tell me, what do you think here?
0: Uh, Me personally, only because I I saw the Cardinals Raiders come back and that was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just, Kyler Murray having three thousand days to to convert a two point conversion.
1: <laughs> I mean, that
0: was nuts. I, I mean, he had that was. It was he, I think he said like he covered like eighty some yards for that. It was like a thirty some second play. Like it was the longest two point yeah. conversion play in history of NFL. Right. Which he ran all
1: crazy. over the freaking place. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous.
0: For that start to AJ Green who is slowing down his career, coming out of his prime, but maybe coming back in with that, uh, like, with that touchdown catch and, like, since the overtime, that was nuts. It was a heck of a throw. Kyler Murray's so small, he just darted in there. And then, like, oh, man, just a scoop and score touchdown to win in overtime. It's just – it was just icing on it. It was just awesome to watch. It was kind of close, though. I thought he might have fumbled it before he crossed the goal line. Uh, yeah, he are, just kind of threw but, that away. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't really harp on that too much, but um, they, re, they re-looked at it, and it was good. So I think that was the most impressive. But, I mean, two of us, six touchdowns, that's ridiculous. I, I was like, okay, Baltimore, the game's over. And yeah. then just to find out he comes back and they win 42-38, that's insane. But yeah. for me, most impressive because I saw with my own eyes is the Cardinals. I mean, that's just, that was just wild.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that the most – I mean, I guess the most impressive is, is Tua to me just because I just didn't think he could have had it in him to do that. But right. I, I have to say just in a box, just like not thinking about anything else, the New York Jets having a comeback of any kind with Joe Flacco oh, right. is just like – I feel like the world should end, right? Like Like something is wrong <laughs> with the world right now. I mean, yeah. did he sell his soul to the devil? I just don't understand. 307 yards and four touchdowns. For Joe wow. Flacco, I, wow, I mean, for so the Browns. Oh, I'm unbelievable, right? And dang. and on a day that Nick Chubb had three touchdowns, you know yeah. that they managed to pull that. And and Amari Cooper also for the Browns, nine of ten for 101 yards and touchdown. If I told you that the Browns were going to get Nick Chubb out there for three touchdowns and Amari Cooper was going to go for over a hundred yards on a touchdown. What would you think the result would be against the Jets? <laughs> you
0: know, it's like, like 42 to 10, like, you know, yeah, exactly. exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, so I'll say this though, Garrett Wilton, he looks like the real deal, eight of 14 yeah. for 102 yards, two yeah. touchdowns. That kid's got, he's got a career ahead of him. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced. I think he's legit. And we saw a little bit of Brees Hall and what he could do. Uh seven mm-hmm. carries for fifty yards and then he had the uh the one reception for ten yards and a touchdown. I I th- I think things are looking up. I I hate to say it. I think the Jets are looking up, you know. I think they actually are uh on the hey, upswing here.
0: There's some
1: receipts over there in New York Jets land, so see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so let's talk about the last thing from week two and that is who do you think our uh best and worst teams are? in the NFL after week two? I'll let you go first because I have some, I get some yeah. thoughts on this.
0: Uh, Chiefs, Bills are the best team right now. Yep. Yep. Week two. Um, and then the worst would probably have to be the Colts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just, that's hilarious to me. I have my own reasons <laughs> why. Carson wins. Everybody knows that, but um, the yep. Colts probably. And uh mm, the Texans, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think the Texans are pretty bad. I mean, yeah. uh, quite, quite frankly, I'll say Tennessee Titans too. Oh, interesting. The Tennessee, Tennessee. Titans. Well, I mean, they they obviously had some problems, but I think once they once things started rolling in against them, it was a disaster for them. I I don't think the Titans are that bad. I just think that the Bills are that good. You know, I mean, I I really do think that it's one it's a game they have to forget and move on. Um, so I, I think they're in the bottom 10, but I don't know if they're the worst. I think the Texans are, are a disaster. I mean, quite frankly, uh, they surprised us in the half game against the Colts, and it turns yeah. out the Colts aren't that good. Uh, you know? <laughs> so uh, quite frankly, they fight the Broncos. It's not like the Broncos are a bad team, um, no. but 16-9, uh, not great. And David Mills uh, looks very uninspiring right now. Fumbled twice. Average less than five yards per attempt. That's not great. Um, you don't want to see that in your quarterback. Uh, you know, so it, it was, it's tough. I would actually say one of the worst teams are my Chicago bears. And, and I'm saying that because not because I'm bitter about getting blown up by the Packers. We always get blown up by the Packers, but you know, there are some bad play calls. Uh, for instance, when you're fourth and goal on the half inch line, you line up under center for your quarterbacks. Okay? You you line line what are you doing? Shotgun! Why Why do you make him run? (laughs) I don't understand why teams are doing that so much this year. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. Just just, look at Exhibit A, Tom Brady. He lines up under center. He gets every single one of those quarterback sneaks into the end zone. Do you know that the most um, rushing touchdowns, most multiple rushing touchdown games in the NFL uh, throughout history, that number three is Tom Brady? Because he keeps sneaking the ball in. You know, it's not like he's a great (laughs) runner. (laughs) He falls in the end zone from the half-inch line. Like every quarterback should be able to do, particularly Justin Fields. But not only that, but, you know, quite frankly, Fields had only 11 pass attempts all night. And uh, number one, quote-unquote, and I'm using air quotes here, wideout out, Darnell Mooney, has four yards through two games. Oh, my God. (laughs) Unless we are playing every game in a monsoon from here on in, we're doomed. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, right. so my poor bears. So I, I would I would agree with you uh, on the Texans. I think they are pretty bad. I think Colts are definitely trending in that direction. Uh, I definitely think the Texans are down there as well. And I, and there's not much to talk about on the other end because the Bills and the um, and the Kansas City Chiefs definitely the best. I think the Bills right now take the cake. Okay, one last question before we move on because I know you got to move on to you have another place to be because you're th- that popular. So pickups for fantasy football, a couple here that I have in mind. You tell me what you think about this, okay? So Greg okay. Dortch of the, of the Arizona Cardinals, wide receiver there. You know, Rondell Moore had the hamstring injury, DeAndre Hopkins' suspension. We thought Marquise Brown was going to be the guy. Greg Dortch, week one, seven to nine targets with 63 yards in, uh, you know, week two cut all four targets for 55 yards on touchdown. I think he's a great pickup. Nelson Aguilar retread now with the New England Patriots. He uh, went three for five for 28 yards in the first week, but cut all six targets in the second week for 110 yards and a touchdown. I think that he looked like the best player on the field for the New England Patriots. And then Noah Brown of the Dallas Cowboys, who we had all written off when Dad Prescott went down. Guess what? Noah Brown practiced of Cooper Rush on that practice squad a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? It paid off. All right. Cut all five targets, 91 yards on a touchdown in week two. Uh, so what do you think about those guys? Uh, Greg Dortch of the Arizona Cardinals, Nelson Aguilar of the new England Patriots and Noah Brown of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: I think those are great because uh, you got Noah Brown. He's going to be having another big day probably Monday because he's got Cooper rush and they have a nice report yep. based on the practice squad together or the scout team, whatever, you know, what I'm trying yep. to say. And yep. then, uh, Dorch, uh, sure. I don't know much about that guy, but it sounds like he's great. And then Nelson Aguilar is a forgotten receiver, I think. He's I still underrated. Coming off of the, not as good as he was when he was in Philly, but he's still a valued receiver. I think it's a great pickup for fantasy if you're looking to keep things close. So that's good. I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you.
1: And, and actually, And guess what? As of Monday, at least, Noah Brown available in 99% of leagues. Nelson wow. Aguilar, available in 99% of leagues as well. And Greg Deutsch, available in 96%. So you need wide receiver help. Don't complain to us. Go get them, okay? Stop sitting around. <laughs> go get them, for goodness sake. All mm-hmm. right, let's get to the end of the show here. Hit the air horn. Why don't you tell us, Trev, your social media so people can follow you? I am on Twitter at Trev H-T-T-H-T-T-C.
0: I'm part of repetition Podcast with Nathan and Stoner. Right yes, here sir. at Football <laughs> the Time with Hakun Wong. Indeed and is. press coverage with George Carmi, so look for content everywhere as much as I can, and I'm everywhere. So
1: Yeah, hit him up, and then go to, and check out the Skybar because he's got yes. live music coming up, I hear, and which is oh, exciting!
0: This is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is our first time we're having it um, since we've been open. It's this Saturday at 7 o'clock, so it's going to be a good time.
1: Go check it out, everybody, and just definitely check them out on those other shows. And particularly, Ref the District is amazing. Uh, you don't, you're not gonna, you're missing out if you're not checking it out. All right, you can find me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter or at the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week.
0: Bye, guys.